Well, hello there. It's Lee Hedgemantelis again, the principal of Bryden's Lawyers, and welcome to Law Pod. Now, today we are dealing with an area of the law that is particularly dear to me because this is how I cut my teeth, so to speak, when I started practice, and that is doing a lot of motor accident work, acting on behalf of injured motorists, pedestrians, and passengers. And when I first started employment with Bryden's in early 1988, I had to contend with the end of the Transcover legislation. Then, of course, in 1988, we had the Motor Accidents Act, and then in 1999, they imposed upon us the Motor Accident Compensation Act. But none of these legislations actually compared in any way to what was yet to come. On the 1st of December 2017, the New South Wales Liberal Government introduced the Motor Accident Injuries Act, otherwise known by me as the CDP Insurers Preservation Act, because as far as I can tell, this legislation does nothing but preserve the interests of insurers over the injured motorist. So today we're going to have a bit of a discussion about the new motor accident legislation, and to do that I need an accredited specialist and an associate of Bryden's Lawyers, and that is Tanya Toe. Welcome, Tanya. Thank you, Lee. It's great to be here. Now, you've been here a little while, haven't you, with Bride's That's Lawyers? That's correct, yes. And started off in Workers' Comp, I think? That's correct, yes. And then graduated your way through to the Common Law Division and specialising in motor accidents largely. Well, today we're just going to have a bit of a chat about the new motor accident scheme. And as you probably gathered from my introductory remarks, I'm not a fan. No. Now, it did change the landscape for motor accident claims significantly, didn't it? Yes, that's correct. It covers all claims made by persons for injuries arising out of a motor vehicle accident as from the 1st of December 2017. The practice practical effects of the legislation provide for a scheme that has significantly reduced the amount and type of compensable damages available. More specifically, the new Act has, for many injured motorists, abolished any ongoing entitlements past the initial six months following an accident. The Act does this by providing for what is called the minor injury test. If you do not pass this test, all benefits will cease at six months, even if you are still suffering from wage loss or require ongoing medical treatment. Unfortunately, what may be considered minor due to a legal technicality will definitely not be minor to an injured claimant. A soft tissue injury can have devastating effects on someone's ability to make a living, especially everyday working people in high intense labour jobs such as builders, factory workers and cleaners. Essentially, as you've said Lee, CTP insurers have passed the obligation onto injured motorists, forcing them to dig into their own pockets and in some cases look to social welfare for help. Alright, well let's break it down a little bit further. So you're involved in a motor vehicle accident and it's not your fault, let's say. We'll deal with at fault claimants later, but it's not your fault and you're working and you're off work. You lodge a claim form with the insurance company for the vehicle at fault. And if the claim form is lodged within 28 days of the accident, the insurer will pay you wage loss as from the date of the accident? That's correct. All right. If you lodge the claim form on day 29 or thereafter, what happens? Unfortunately, that means you will miss out on being back paid from the date of the accident. So in fact, you are only paid from the day that you lodge the claim form. That's correct. What possible explanation or reasoning can be proffered for this? And the answer is none. I mean, if you take four weeks plus one day to lodge the claim form, you are penalised the four weeks of wage loss. Unfortunately, under the new Act, yes. It's a disgrace. It is. All right. So let's assume that you lodge the claim form and the insurer accepts the liability to pay wage loss. At what rate do they pay the pre-accident earnings for that first 13 weeks or so? 95%. All right. So if you are on $1,000 net per week, the insurance company will pay you $950 whilst you're off work for that first 13 weeks. And again, no explanation proffered whatsoever as to why the insurer 
keeps that 5%. Unfortunately, injured motorists will just have to dig into their own pockets. All right. If the injury is serious enough to keep someone off work for more than 13 weeks, the insurer continues to pay wage loss after that period? That's correct. At what rate? It will be reduced. I believe that's anywhere between 80 to 85%. So again, let's say it's 80%. So the insurer will then be keeping 20% of the weekly wage loss suffered by that injured motorist. So when the government tells us that they've reduced green slips significantly, that's great. Don't be involved in an accident and suffer wage loss. Any benefits from the reduced green slip will be lost within a week or two. That's correct. All right, now you also mentioned minor injury. Now this is a new concept. Yes. The provisions of the legislation provide that only those persons who do not suffer a minor injury can receive any benefits more than six months after the accident. That's correct. And I think you and I, we've seen some anecdotal evidence, haven't we, coming out of the Motor Accidents Authority and CIRA and the like, whatever they want to call themselves these days, which shows that the overwhelming majority of people injured in car accidents will not get over that threshold. No, that's correct. So in other words, Something like 65 to 75% of people injured in a car accident will not receive benefits for more than six months after the car accident? Yes, that's correct. This is just terrible, Tina. It is. Absolutely terrible. So let's have a look at what someone needs to do, however, under the current scheme, if they are injured in a motor vehicle accident. They come and see us, preferably. That's correct, yeah. And they lodge a claim form. Yes. Now, they don't need to be legally represented, do they? No. But the preference is that they are? That's correct, yes. Tell us why. Most claimants without proper legal representation will be told that they are not entitled to any further entitlements after six months. My experience so far is that insurers are making these determinations without proper legal and medical reasoning. Without proper legal advice and representation, claimants will be doing themselves a great disservice and are not realising or maximising their full entitlements. That's right, because you've got an injured person dealing with a claims officer for an insurance company and the injured person invariably will be someone who's inexperienced in these matters dealing with a claims offer who's well trained and well versed by the insurance company and the other thing that people need to remember of course is that the injured person is not making a claim on their insurer they're claiming against the insurer of the vehicle at fault so the interests of the injured person and the interests of the insurer are polar opposite yeah. the injured person is seeking proper compensation for their injuries the insurer is seeking to minimise and negate the claim to the extent that it can. It's not rocket science. It's not hard to understand how anyone who's actually lodged the claim form and dealing directly with an insurer without the benefit of legal representation is at a grave disadvantage. So let's have a look at some of the procedural requirements of the scheme. After being involved in an accident, let's assume the police do not attend and make a report. What does the injured person need to do? There is still a legal requirement within 28 days to report the matter to police. The police may not be willing to record every accident, but as long as an attempt is made, that will suffice for the purposes of fulfilling your obligation. All right, so they've got to report the accident to the police in writing and keep a record of it as well, so That's they will avoid any complaints by the insurer That's correct. that they haven't reported it. All right, now we referenced earlier, didn't we, people at fault for the accident itself. Yes. There is provision under the new scheme for those persons to recover some benefits. Tell us about benefits available to people at fault for the accident. Persons at fault are now able to lodge a claim and receive entitlements for loss of wages and medical expenses up to six months. This change was an interesting one because traditionally people who are careless or negligent are generally not entitled to make a claim. All right. So they can claim for up to six months? That's correct. Beyond that, they can't no. if they are at fault or primarily at fault? That's correct. All right. 
right. But let's deal then again for the moment with people who are not at fault for the accident. Yes. And let's assume for the moment that the person's injuries are not minor injuries, so they exceed that six-month threshold. What sort of damages or compensation is available for those persons? Well, pre-December 2017, claimants were entitled to receive a payout for non-economic loss, otherwise known as pain and suffering, economic loss, medical treatment and care provided couturously, that is care by family or friends. Under the new Act, claimants are now only eligible to be paid out on a lump sum basis for two out of those four heads of damages, that is economic loss and pain and suffering. Gratuitous care is no longer recognised and medical expenses will continue to be paid, however, only in drips and drabs and on an as-needs basis. All right, well, gratuitous care is an interesting topic, of course, and many of our listeners may not be familiar with what it is. Gratuitous care or assistance is that care or assistance that is provided to the injured person by family or friends. If an injured person requires assistance in and about the house, for example, or attending doctor's appointments or the like, then they are entitled to recover appropriate commercial care and the insurer has to pay for same. But often the injured person would prefer the assistance of family or friends. And the law did traditionally recognize that those persons provided a assistance or care of value and the insurer was obliged to pay for the value of that care to the injured person. But under the new scheme, all of that's gone. That's correct. That's just terrible again. So the family members and the friends of the injured person providing gratuitous care and assistance are now just the unpaid servants of insurance companies. That's correct. No doubt family and friends continue to provide these services, but it's just not recognised anymore. All right, well, let's deal with pain and suffering or non-economic loss damages for the moment. And the scheme now provides pretty much what was in place prior to 1 December 2017. There is a threshold of 10%. Yes and the injured person needs to achieve that threshold before recovering any damages for their pain and suffering. That's correct. All right. The threshold of 10%, of course, refers to 10% whole person permanent impairment, and that's referenced by the AMA 4th edition guides. That's correct. All right. Anecdotally, what sort of numbers of people, what percentage of people get over that 10% threshold? To my understanding, less than 10% of claimants in New South Wales qualify for that head of damage. So I think you're right. So in other words, less than 10% or less than one in every 10 people injured in a car accident will get over that threshold and will receive any compensation for their pain and suffering whatsoever. That's correct. Loss of enjoyment of life, things like that are just not recognised if you do not meet that threshold. And what was traditionally awarded by way of compensation for pain and suffering is now just simply retained by the insurance companies in over 90% of cases. Unfortunately, that's correct. Well, look, unfortunately, today's chat has not been particularly uplifting because as you would have gathered from my tone, the Motor Accident Injuries Act of 2017 is a disgrace. It was brought about at the behest of insurers and insurers couldn't have got a better outcome if they had, in fact, written the legislation for themselves. But if you have been involved in a motor vehicle accident, it is imperative that you seek legal advice as quickly as possible to ensure that you receive all of the benefits to which you are entitled. Do not, is my strongest advice, deal with the insurance company directly. They have no concerns for the interest of the injured motorist. Their only concern is for their profits and the well-being of their shareholders. So Tanya, thank you very much for the chat today. Hopefully it will find its way to the minister responsible and if not to insurers and the like, but I'm sure they'll just dismiss our concerns concerns as they invariably do. And remember, if there is any particular subject matter that you would like to have us address, then please do not hesitate to contact us directly and email us at lawpod at Make sure to follow us on all our social media platforms, whether that be Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. So again, thank you for listening. And again, thank you to Tanya. Mm-hmm.